know, this. you're right, though, Nick. It's going to be a really good episode. He had so many interesting little stories and sidebars that most people have no idea about. Like the Gary Payton story with yeah. Michael Jordan and Ken Griffey. Like, what the he heck? Gave us, he gave us a lot of Denver, didn't he? Nuggets. <laughs> Welcome to Lowering the Rim. This is Lowering the Rim, a podcast about the NBA from a fan's perspective. We're all brothers. We got Ian, Drew, uh, the twins, Caleb and Keegan, and Nick. All right, we've got a very exciting guest today on Lowering the Rim. His voice is as iconic as his catchphrases. You can hear him in our intro, but he's mostly known for his work on NFL Blitz, Mutant Football League, and our very favorite game, NBA Jam. Today we get to talk with Mr. Boom Shakalaka himself, Tim Kitzrow. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Boom Shakalaka! Hey, there he is. <laughs> hey, hey. Tim? How you doing? Good, how are you? How's it going? I was doing all right. Got a little warmer here today in Chicago. Good, good. Yeah, it's a little balmier here now. It's about 65, so that's about as good as it gets here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to jump right in. Um, where did you? Where did the phrase boom shakalaka come about, or how did it come about? Well, I think it was from uh, being a kid that a wish I made to uh, – to, Was it, you remember that, the movie Big? You know, it's like I wanted to, I wanted to be uh, – I want to be famous. I want to have something I'm remembered for. And uh, I guess all those years later just popped into my head. I wish I had some you know, like fantastic fairy tale story like that where because it is a, a serendipitous thing where it was a, you know, phrase, a word that became so iconic and and it took me years to realize, you know, what the origin was because it was so many years ago. I don't I didn't remember whether John had written it and uh turned out that one of the guys at the uh the uh, studio out at Midway was listening to a lot of Sly and the Family Stone and in the song I Want to Take You Higher the chorus he's singing boo shaka laka laka boo doo he thought that'd be fun if he said boom shaka laka but he this, the Sly Stone song doesn't actually say boom it says boo shaka laka so it had this, you know, its origin from like, you know, Sly Stone, some funk music, which is perfect because it's a funky, funky expression. And it actually, it's, that, it's maybe the best, it should be in the dictionary for onomatopoeia because the boom, you know, is, is, is the ball hitting that rim and then the shakalaka, the rim shaking afterwards. I mean, there's no better superlative. <laughs> boom, shakalaka. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you miss, so if you miss, if you miss a dunk, it's like, he brought the boom, but forgot the shakalaka. <laughs> a real rim That was a lot of shakalaka. <laughs> yeah, let's actually, let's talk about, since you already mentioned Mutant Football League. Um, what was that like being able to script that? I heard you actually got to do the scripting. So that's like a whole different arena than just doing voice work, right? Well, actually, I started doing the script work, uh, improving for the the pinball games is where it all started. And I went to Second City for a uh, uh, you know year, and uh, my whole background's theater and uh, improv. So, 
when I started doing pinball, we had certain lines that we had to hit, but that we would all we would always improvise a lot of things as well. Uh, not too much was improvised in the original NBA Jam. It was a pretty much straightforward script. Uh, John Hay, the producer, uh, put that together, and it's pretty much. Uh, what you heard on the TV, Marv Albert back then, you know, all those familiar phrases. And uh, when Blitz came along, though, I did start writing. So NFL Blitz is uh, really where I, I sunk my teeth into writing. And then MLB Slugfest, I did probably about 80% of the writing. Um, NHL Hits, I didn't have much to do with. I'm not a, a big hockey person. And the uh, folks up at uh, Black Box in Canada were the experts there. So that was a more technical kind of script. And the uh, last two versions of uh, NBA Jam I did for EA Sports, I did uh, basically all the uh, all the uh, color and the commentary for that. So, so, so going, going into uh, Newton Football League, I mean, that was kind of like uh, getting a pitch from a, a cartoon network or something. Say so you're going to you know be in this futuristic world, post-apocalyptic world, uh, crazy over-the-top, you know, football with skeletons and orcs and zombies. <laughs> and, and, I, and I had to find a way to get that right tone because there's a lot of murder and blood and mayhem and chainsaws and uh, uh, carnage. So I wanted to definitely make it fun and uh, over the top, kind of like a, a Futurama or the Simpsons or something, find mm -hmm. my own uh, voice, but you, you still hear me, but it's Grim Blitzrill, my uh, alter ego. Uh, <laughs> and I created the, uh, the two other guys, uh, uh, Bricks and uh, Bricks Jr. You know what, what is rhetorical mean, Tim? I don't even know. So it was fun to do, uh, you know, three different voices, and uh, the, the game is so much fun. It's you can you can watch it without sound visually. It's so exciting and pleasing, and then uh, of course the sound, the audio track, and the uh, music and everything else. It's a it's a real like it's a blitz on steroids, as some people mm -hmm. said, or meets Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was actually going to ask, is it available on all platforms like Xbox, PC, and yeah? Yeah, it came out on Steam uh, earlier last year and then uh, went to all the standard platforms and even on Twitch back in the fall. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, PS4, Xbox. So it, it's awesome. And if you want to look at the trailers on YouTube, and there's some uh, great uh, commentary, a couple guys, uh, I think it's called Cartoons. Uh, they do a, a you know great review. They play the game and they just laugh through it, and that's almost more fun than the, the the game itself to watch these people get surprised by all the the hazards on the field and the chainsaws and shotguns. So yeah, it's it's, it's great. So look for my trailer, uh, football league trailer on YouTube. For sure. So, are you, the question is, are you good at these games? NBA Jam, Mutant Football League, the pinball games. Let me ask. Let me ask you. On a scale of one to five, five being top player, where do you think I'd, I'd rank in like Jam Blitz hits by my own titles, Slugfest? I feel like you'd be a four because you got an because you got an inside. One would think, but you know what? Don't play him. Never played him. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was uh, just on a a weird trajectory uh, getting out of school uh, when I graduated uh, acting. Uh, where my time was spent, money was spent, uh, had an improv group, uh, played drums in a band. So there was just, first of all, there was just basically no time. And uh, there weren't, uh, there weren't many arcades in our, in our small college town. It was a very removed college town, purchased New York. There was maybe a Pac-Man and, and an Asteroids or something on campus. 
And uh, what little extra change I had went to 25 cent beer nights. So it wasn't ever a part of my adolescence or growing up. And uh, as I said, once I moved on, you know, acting was full time and uh, uh, drums was my passion, hobby, playing basketball at the gym. The Y was what I would do. So I would go in and do the pinball games, loved playing pinball because it was, you know, something I did since I was a kid. But when the video games came, uh, there were never any cabinets while I was making them. You know, this was all brand new stuff. And so when the game was finished, I was out of the next game. And then you'd see NBA Jam out in their, you know, their, their cafeteria at Midway Games. And to me, for me, I was only in there, you know, for 15, 20 minutes before I went into the studio, too many buttons and this and that. And I was always more interested in just hearing what the sound, you know, uh, was doing in the game because it was the first video game I had done. So I'd watch the pros out there that were so damn good at it. It was very intimidating anyway. You know, of course, I'd, I'd monk it around and try it a little bit, but it just never yeah. stuck. And as I said, more, more interested in playing real basketball than than a, a joystick basketball but uh it's kind of a crazy thing to be in this profession and and to it's like you know race car driver that can't race a car or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but uh that i've actually had more enjoyment because it, it, it uh, when you don't play you, you see the playing field is uh you know like i'm watching a you know a, a tv show or a car cartoon or a movie or something i get a lot of enjoyment watching other people play Oh, sure, yeah. And it's probably pretty Especially, cool. as you can imagine, like back in the day, you'd go out to the arcades, and I wanted to see how the game was doing. And, uh, you know, I'd see the Konami running gun, which was the only other uh, basketball game at the time. And mm -hmm. I'd walk over, and I'd listen to that game, because you know, I was more interested in, you know, the sound than anything. And I remember the, the guy that was doing the voiceover was like, hey, nice shot, four, three. <laughs> He dunks it. <laughs> it's like, all right, I think I got a leg up on this guy. Then you'd go yeah. in the jam cabinet and you'd hear all this from downtown, can't buy a bucket, he's on fire, boom, sucker, locker, kaboom. And it was like the carnival barker. I realized that the voice mm -hmm. and the over the top uh, visuals accompanying, you know, accompanied by that voice, you know, was like a carnival barker. Like there was something exciting that brought people in. And I noticed in a couple arcades where they had the sound turned down. And the game was brand new, so no one really knew it yet. It wasn't drawing as many people. And I'd ask the guy, you know, hey, turn that up, see what happens. And sure enough, it would draw people in. But then it was fun to just kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, secretly, you know, voyeuristically, like, camp out behind, like, the seven deep playing uh, NBA Jam. And I'd start to uh, throw in a couple lines from behind, like, can't buy a bucket, ugly shot, rimming, no good. They go, hey, man, you sound like the dude from the game. I say, man, I am the dude for the game. Boom, shakalaka. Drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> Wait, so you, you said you, you play in, like, pickup games and stuff? Yeah. So when do you when you play, do you do you commentate on yourself as you're playing? I, I, I certainly did uh, as a kid all the time. Uh, and so when people ask me, like, you know, how did you get into this? And did you have any background experience of, you know, acting and improv? It's one thing, but because I love sports and basketball so much, I mean, what kid didn't in the backyard call the last five seconds? And I'd have to go in on a swish shot. And I still do that to this day. I can't leave the court until I hit a swish. So I'd always run to the baseline, like, time winding down, five seconds left. Kids run with the ball. Three, two, he hits it. He hits it. You know, so that was that was my childhood. Uh, when I did NBA Jam, I was playing at the YMCA in Chicago, and a lot of young kids in there. And I say, hey, "What's your name?" He's like, "Hey, he's Jeffrey." I go, "Jeffrey from downtown, Jeffrey with the ball, boom, sucker, locker." And of course, back then, every kid played the game and knew. He goes, "Hey, man, you sound like 
had the guy from NBA Jam. Once again, I go, I had the guy from NBA Jam, man. <laughs> they look at me like, like they're like trying to like figure out if some guy says I'm the real Santa Claus and they get up and look at you. And you're like, nah, you ain't the real, you ain't the real guy. I go, oh, I'm the real guy, man. Then he bring his friends in. There's like three kids, four kids, five kids. And they'd all go, hey, say my name, say my name. So I would always play one and one or <laughs> two of these kids. I'd get their names and I would call their game in the uh, NBA Jam Boys. That's, that's always been a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. That's got to be amazing. That's got to feel so good. Yeah, that sounds like a, a make a wish for people <laughs> people our age that grew up like NBA Jam was our first. Cool, because you're talking about like, you know, these kids like, Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, whatever. I mean, they're right in that sweet spot where the arcades were just coming out. So it was the moment that the arcade basketball arrived. You know, NBA Jam was there, and when you're a little kid, you could just get up high enough to move the joystick. And, and probably a lot of kids, like my son, the first time they you know played a couple arcade games, they have their hands on it, but there's no money, and they think they're moving it because it's in the uh, track mode. <laughs> I, I bet a lot of NBA Jam fans actually started out playing the arcade with no money in it. Because uh, <laughs> actually, that, that reminds me of a kind of funny story that Mark Turbell, uh, the creator of the game, and, and Sal. Uh, the co-creator told me that uh, they were in an arcade once, you know, seeing how, how the game was doing. And they noticed that a guy, they put in the money, but, you know, there's four player slots there. And he was playing the AI stick. And he didn't realize that he, his, he was on the AI, so he wasn't doing anything. You know? <laughs> and, and the guy that he put the money in for, player two, whatever, which is like you know, running into out of bounds. It's like standing in the corner or whatever. And Mark said, I got to say something. The guy went over, hey, you know what? Uh, I know there's you know a lot of controllers out here or whatever, but the money you put in, that's for this one right here. You're, you're playing the AI. That's His guy probably didn't know it. He was like, uh, uh, uh. He goes over for like, for like 20 seconds. He starts playing his guy. And then he just went back and played the other one. He liked what his AI was doing <laughs> That's amazing. Here, here's a good story about also not playing the games, getting embarrassed. I was out, out at uh, uh, Black Box Studios in Vancouver for NHL hits. And I'd spent a couple days in the studio. They bring me back up to their beautiful office, like 30, 40 cubicles. Everyone gathers around like, hey, guys, Tim's up here. We're going to preview the game. They got a big screen monitor. Hey, Tim, here you go. Sit down. Check it out. They hand me the controller. I was like, a, a, like an eight-year-old kid. Like I was so embarrassed to tell and admit to this entire group of, of programmers that I had no idea what I was doing with the controller. So instead of just <laughs> saying something, I, I just like this guy, I just started pressing buttons and no idea what I was doing. And suddenly like my hockey guy just goes into the, you know, the wall, into the glass and freezes up and I paused or froze the game. And I just went, uh, here, take that for a second. I got to make a couple of notes. I noticed something on the uh, speech. I want to make a couple of notes here. So I just lied my way <laughs> on it and handed it off as I was taking, you know, I just got to take some notes. I can't be bothered with this controller. <laughs> uh, do you, if you could make a team in NBA Jam, what two players, past or present, would you, would you pick? Well, NBA. it's different for me since I, I wasn't a player. So it's really kind of like, uh, uh, you know, who are my favorite players and being a Bulls fan. I'm going to take the Holy Grail and say the goat and Scottie Pippen. Uh, if you guys don't know about that, uh, Jordan was not in the game simply because his business people, he opted out of the uh, uh, player's licensing agreement uh, because, his, and, and he was right to do so because his name was so big. Players were not getting any money to be an NBA jam. If it fell under the licensing agreement, they 
the NBA had the rights to sell their usage, their likeness, whatever. So all those players got as a gift or as a, uh, you know, a pay was, uh, was an NBA jam arcade cabinet. Now it sounds silly because, you know, they got all this money, but in the end, that was a really cool thing for those guys to get. And I, I talked to Steve yeah. Smith a couple of years back. He was, man, I still play with my kids all the time in the baseball. I love that game. But anyway, so Michael was not in the game. He might not have even known that he was offered the game. His, his agents probably just said, no, he's, Michael doesn't do anything without his, you know, a special deal, whatever, and this is under the license agreement. So at some point, though, he became aware of NBA Jam and, and uh, uh, Gary Payton, Ken Griffey, out in the Northwest and they were playing NBA jam and arcade and, and the conversation came up with Michael, like, why aren't we in the game? And Michael's like, yeah, I want to be in the game. Of course he did. He wanted to compete. Like the, the only video game with NBA likeness and he could not be in it to kick someone's ass. Imagine how crazy <laughs> that drove him. He could not beat someone's ass in NBA jam. He could play as like, you know, beat, you know, Armstrong or something. You know? So he and their agents called Midway said, we want a special cabinet. Make it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, all we had to do is add their names. And uh, and then Mark, you know, got the likeness, uh, you know, the artist to do him and Griffey and Peyton. And I did the, you know, the, you know, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. So that was recorded. We shipped off three cabinets, one to Ken Griffey, one to Gary Peyton, one to Michael Jordan. And all these years later, I'd met Gary Payton a couple of years ago and uh, then met him again at the Hall of Fame. And he told me somehow, he didn't tell me the how, he ended up with all the three cabinets like 10 years later. And he's got wow. them at his place in Oakland. And he goes, hey, man, you come out sometime. We'll play. He goes, I got those things, uh, you know, set up. My kids grew up on them playing them. He goes, they're going to be worth a lot of money someday. He goes, uh, uh, and he was joking about let's do an NBA Jam tournament. So I'm actually – uh have been talking to him kind of goading him into trying to do um some sort of like field piece for uh sports nation or someone that wants to like go out bring mark Tumel, the creator out maybe myself uh, uh see if ken griffey uh would come out because I, I i doubt we'd get mj out there but it'd be awfully cool but yeah, we really need to unveil for the first time for people to see the nba jam game with michael jordan in it so it only exists in those three cabinets and then uh mark Tumel, the creator has three of the, um, I think they're called ROMs, like, you know, oh, yeah. actually, mm -hmm. but the only way they can be played is plugged into the cabinet and he's got them at, at his place. And, and you know, we were thrown around last year during the 25th anniversary, whether or not we could ever legally uh, find a way to let those, uh, to let that find the light of day and to reissue that Holy grail of, uh, you know, Jordan in the game. So Still something, you know, to shoot for. Maybe if we get some fan, you know, support and enthusiasm, build a, you know, campaign to get it done. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. People would love to have a Jordan. I mean, imagine, the, you know, the greatest player, the GOAT, is in the biggest, you know, $2 billion NBA Jam, you know, game, you know, biggest arcade game ever made. And no one except that handful of people, yeah. Peyton and their friends and family, have ever seen that version. So, uh yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, that's on my bucket list to get that done before long. I was going to say it's too bad our other brother is not on. He has the flu, but um, he would just be eating up what you're saying right now. He is a huge MJ fan. He hates this discussion of LeBron versus MJ. Uh, he obviously sides with MJ, like no question at all. So, I, my, <laughs> I was softened a little bit by uh, when uh, – LeBron, you know, broke the record the other night. 
he was just so uh, he was so uh, heartfelt in his praise for Michael and how he didn't ever want to be compared to him, but how he felt like he really got out of his really really tough place in life because of the inspiration from Michael. And I felt that, you know, humility and uh, everything else. And, and it, you know, everybody has a different makeup. And he has his his power numbers and what he does best. And, it, you know, I think it's maybe too simplistic, but he is more of that, you know, that Magic Johnson facilitator and, you know, that, that kind of hybrid freak, which has its own, you know, greatness. But, you know, as far as, like, who do you want on the court in crunch time in fourth quarter – in the championship, I want MJ, you know, there's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. And that's what separates it. Your overall game, your overall stat line, this and that, that doesn't mean as much as like, who, you know, who do you trust the most when it comes down to the crunch and to will a team over, you know, I don't, I don't get that from him. Anyway, I, di I digress. <laughs> uh, LeBron, has yet, LeBron has yet to beat the Monstars in a game. So yeah. until he, until he does that, <laughs> yeah. Jordan is the GOAT. Yeah, has anyone ever approached you about doing like announcements in movies and stuff, like basketball themed movies or anything? Well, I, I uh, you know, have always uh, thought that you know the right project might come along that would work, and I actually wrote a IMAX script based on Michael Jordan's uh, uh, Sacred Hoops, or not Michael Jordan's, uh, Phil Jackson's book Sacred Hoops years ago. Uh, mm. Presented it to uh, Todd Musburger, who's Phil Jackson's agent. And my angle was, I was kind of tired of seeing the same old cliche, uh, especially in the 90s, the highlight clips that, you know, we're so accustomed to. And every year, you know, Michael had another highlight thing in the stadium. So I had this really unique perspective that, like, would be Phil Jackson and his interesting philosophy about basketball and how it relates also to Native Americans and the Zen, all the, you know, the Buddha qualities that, that brought that team together. And that it would be kind of uh, voiced over by him and players um, and then removing uh, a lot of their uh, uh, movement from the court to using a green screen to then putting them out with these like backgrounds of like, you know, Grand Canyons and deep dark woods and, mm. you know, granite mountaintops and, and, and uh, find that, that Native American, you know, beauty uh, uh, all across America to, to kind of do this slow motion IMAX movement and dance and then marry it into the court like suddenly the the lights you know and stars would fade away in the grand canyon it would become the lights of flash cubes and the lights of the stadium and it was really you know it was, it was a really cool piece obviously he thought so he wanted to do it uh phil loved it and he said i just think we're going to have trouble uh getting michael and scotty and dennis all on board at the same time and then he came back and uh, todd said no i think we can make it happen he goes but we're actually having trouble getting jerry kraus and jerry reinstorf on board because this is something that uh, highlights Phil a lot more uh, because it's his book and his words, whatever, and they are not going to sign off on something. Basically, it would make it like, you know, Phil's, you know, it, you know at the end that they had their, their, their problems, the egos, whatever. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, uh, you know, we would have needed the approval to, you know, for the team, and we didn't get it. And uh, that had, had been green lit. So I would have been, a, a writer and producer on the first Michael Jordan movie before uh, Michael to the Max, which they made two years later, an IMAX movie with Jordan and Space Jam. This was uh, all before that, so uh, mm. that was that was my my brush with uh, greatness, and actually would have been 
a great legacy to have done NBA Jam and a few short years later doing the first IMAX movie with Michael Jordan. But it was not to be, but it's, uh, it's uh, kept me going ever since with a lot of other creative ideas and projects. And uh, I'm still drawing some inspiration from some of the uh, uh, collage artwork I did to storyboard the whole project. Um, I've actually got a boom shakalaka sneaker I'm trying to get done, and I've used some of those images I made uh, from the IMAX movie with uh, with those images. Can we explore that? I want to hear more about this boom shakalaka sneaker. What is that? The shoe shakalaka, if you will. Well, I, actually, I, I did approach uh, the head designer for uh, I met him on LinkedIn, uh, Jimo Wong from uh, Nike, and no but he's the Jordan. He's the, the brand Jordan. Uh, mm -hmm. designer and he you know, he thought the idea was obviously very cool whatever but he just didn't think it really fit in with the Michael brand because Michael is his own brand and it was it was tough I, I kind of thought well is that is you talking or is that Michael talking because I got mm -hmm. a feeling that Michael saw that and realized he'd be the first guy and if anyone should have boom shock lock on the back stripe of his sneaker it should be Michael so uh, I'm still exploring other avenues uh, with different companies or maybe an independent company, uh, but uh, I've been trying to really get a whole boom shakalaka lifestyle thing going with some different people. want to do a boom shakalaka energy bar and <laughs> five-hour boom shakalaka energy drink. Like, Red Bull. like uh, you know, for a commercial, you show a slow white guy going up and flubbing up, you know, in the lane and, you know, falling down. It's like, men you have trouble getting up and staying up in the lane, stamina problem? Do oh, you wish you could dunk all night long like you did when you were 18 back in high school? Not getting enough iron in your diet? Then chew on this. Maybe you should be taking boom shakalaka energy. Now we'll dunk it all. Guaranteed to give you six extra inches of vertical leap. If you have any dunks lasting over five seconds, call Dr. J immediately. Side effects include holding the mouth, fast talking, and catching on fire. Boom shakalaka. That's a boom energy drink. Man. I like the idea that it was like an overweight white guy, and then at the end of the commercial, oh, yeah, it, just, it transforms into Woody Harrelson dunking the basketball, right? <laughs> uh, as I said, I, I think a, a boom shock energy drink, an energy bar would be awesome, some sneakers. And my next brand is uh, Dunkin' on You. I don't know if you heard about that one yet. No, what's that one? It's like Blake Griffin hand Giannis his diploma because he just got his NBA degree from dunking on you. Boom, <laughs> Another proud graduate from dunking on you. <laughs> and imagine the heel of a sneaker with the font and the emblem dunking on you right in a guy's face as he's getting dunked on. It's the perfect sneaker. Did they mock up a sneaker for you at all? Or did you have drawings of it? Or, or? I've got a really talented uh, a guy that I met, uh, Evan Nixon, uh, that's been doing a lot of uh, design for me. If you check out my website, uh, timkitsrow.com, my Twitter page, I occasionally post, and I think I've got a couple up there right now, of the, uh, the Jordan sneaker. Uh, he's done all my, uh, you know, taken all my concepts, and, and he's done this great logo for the Boom Shock Locker, for the T-shirt, for the whole sneaker. I did one for Gary Payton. Uh, so, yeah, check out my site. I'll, I'll make sure after this I put a couple things up on Twitter, which is at uh, uh, Tim underscore Kitzrow. And, yeah. uh, yeah. and com has the videos. Next thing I should mention, I've been doing videos for uh, uh, NBA teams, uh, starting with the Houston Rockets a few years back, and uh, have been working with the Warriors for the last two years. At the end of every playoffs, I do a roundup of their highlights from the, the series. 
then the finals, did the NBA finals for the last two years too. And uh, right now I'm doing one with the uh, Charlotte Hornets for next week. And there's a, a short clip on my Twitter account right now that they posted. Uh, Grandmama, what big hands you have. All the better to dunk on you with. <laughs> <laughs> And how about a, a nice uh, Alonzo morning over Ewing first shot? Morning says, good night to Ewing. Boom, shaka <laughs> Kenby Walker with the Dancing with the All-Stars ankle breaker competition elimination round. Kenby with the dagger. Kaboom. <laughs> it's a cartoon world. You know, it's like, this is a limited time TV offer. He slices, he dices, he dunks in your face, announcing the amazing Hardenizer. Aaron sold separately. Cole Malmo throwing his free dagger at the buzzer. Boom, <laughs> strength. Well, could you talk a little bit about, about your process? Like, how do you come up with this stuff? It feels like the NBA world is is made for me. It's To me, it's a yeah. big blank canvas waiting for my take on it. And it's so exciting to get the clips from the teams. And I sit there just on my computer looking at it. Then I'll stop it a couple of times and the idea pops in. And it's it's the best, you know, creative freedom in the world to just be able to voice the you know the, the the movement and the situation with these superstars and once it's done I still have this kind of you know my regular voice is not my boom shock lock of voice and when I finish I go yeah, it's cool it's like that's the NBA Jam guy doing that you know <laughs> I, I get that kick out of it like when I went back into the studio for EA Sports in 2010 hadn't done the game in 17 years and uh get behind the mic and I do a couple warm-ups. Boom, shakalaka, he's on fire from downtown. And I just stopped and I was almost like a fan and went, hey, it sounds just like that guy. You know, there's, 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 there's a line in there for almost everything. That's the way I see it. You know, some people, artists, like they, they see faces and rock, you know, in the Grand Canyon. I hear, I hear phrases and superlatives and one-liners in, uh, in any highlight that I see. And, you know, after all the years of watching uh, ESPN Sports Center now NBA, you know uh, uh, tonight or TNT, you know NBA and TNT. You realize those guys can't spend much time because they're doing it almost in real time. Like after the game's over, they've got so many highlights, and I have the luxury of taking an hour or two and scripting it, you know, and doing it. So it's really a, a unique brand, and for any NBA team that you know has worked with me. It's just great fun for the fans because they're getting a one-of-a-kind a one capturing moments, great plays, their players, but with that kind of iconic NBA Jam frame. So uh, it couldn't be happier where things are going right now. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those videos, and, man, I love them. You got you to gotta keep doing those. So is there a chance of another NBA Jam coming out maybe? Uh, I'm really hoping that we do get a, another shot at NBA Jam. Uh, there's a lot of – uh, things that have to happen for that to fall into place. EA Sports still retains the license with the NBA for it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's no reason it, it shouldn't be out. You know, we could have a lot of fun and everybody's still one of the big conversations topics every year is best duos. You know, that, that story will never get old and NBA Jam kind of, you know, I mean, there's always, you know, before NBA Jam, people obviously, you know, Oscar Robertson with Luel Cinder, you know, so back in the 60s, but it wasn't talked about as much as a topic since NBA Jam because it's that load screen mm -hmm. you have with your best duos. Uh, ESPN, they did a great article with me last year and then followed it up uh, with uh, who are the best NBA Jam duos in today's game. There's a, a YouTube uh, that has uh, uh, 
It has uh, Curry, Steph Curry, with him and Clay as the top in the bracket for the best duo of all time, NBA Jam. And he goes through all the other NBA Jam duos and like, this is why I'd be the best. And it's so it's fun. It's like this, uh, you know, this cartoon world of, uh, you know, the best duos in every year. And you just ask me, who would your favorite two players be? And right now this year, like, who are the best duos in, in the NBA? Uh, it's it's just great fun. And, I, and I, I hope that EA Sports either decides to make a new one or they move along and let someone else have fun with the license for a little bit. Would you, would you ever want to, if they did redo the game or come out with a, a new version, would you want to be like a hidden player? Um, I, I'm actually in the last uh, two versions. I'm a secret player. Oh, are you? Yeah, you can you can play Mark Tamel and me. So that's kind of fun. Like what's that the, is awesome. What's yeah. the code? How do we do that? You get on your Google machine. You go yeah. wow. there's, there was a time where like if you go when I'm Google did NBA Jam. It's like there's like hundred pages of codes, the cheat codes, and there's another just a funny little side story that. In the early days, the cheat code, there were, you know, cheat codes. There was like how you could do this and do that. And then there was, of course, the secret characters. But before that was before the Internet, uh, 93, 94. And there were actually guys at arcades selling cheat codes for money. They would, (laughs) you know, track it down and they'd buy a magazine that had the cheat codes that other kids didn't have. And then, you know, when they're in the arcades, like, hey, man, I'll give you the cheat codes for five bucks. They were were selling (laughs) cheat codes and secret character codes. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. There was a big demand for like when I found out you could be like Fresh Prince or Bill Clinton, yeah. I wanted to know how how do you do that? Yeah, so I I get that. That makes sense. One of the they said the most popular secret character from NBA Jam and now I forget the guy's name. He was a uh he was one of the guys from Midway and he decided that the day they were going to take all the pictures, you had to take like eight pictures, you know, front side profile behind. He wore a fedora for no particular reason. And people just thought that was the funniest thing to have this secret character wearing a fedora. So I'll have to look that up and find out. But I remember John and Mark talking about that. Uh, and that reminds me, quick faster mentioned there's a, a documentary coming out about Midway Games uh, and the rise and fall of, you know, the, which was, you know, Midway really was the, the great company uh, for a short period of time. Mortal Kombat, you know, Total Carnage. Uh, uh, Rampage, uh, you know, Jam, Blitz. Uh, so insert coin, and they've got a insert coin. Uh, uh, they're on Twitter and whatever. We previewed the movie. It's not quite finished, but it's going to do a lot of film festivals. It's going to be the first close look at all the guys who made the, all these great games behind the scenes. Uh, fortunately, I, you know, I, I got to be interviewed to tell some fun stories about Jam. For instance, NBA Jam was not going to be an NBA licensed game. He, Mark was just going to make a basketball game. The previous basketball game was made by Brian Collin, who did Rampage out there, uh, mm-hmm. and that was called Arch Rivals, and that was animated. Mm-hmm. This was the first time that they had the technology for the, the motion capture was just beginning, and uh, so they were going to mm-hmm. use motion capture for the first time. And then right in the middle, even toward the end of the, uh, the, uh, the project, the uh, uh, Neil DeCastro, the, the president of Midway, said, you're going to get the NBA license, right? And they're like, oh, we never thought about it. We thought it would be too tough or too expensive. He's, no, you got to have the NBA license. So that was kind of – they didn't set out to make an NBA game, which I find really interesting. They didn't set out to make a game that had guys jumping 25 feet and do somersaults and on fire. 
that happened organically while they were, you know, along the way, like meetings, you know, like they would have lunch over at Burger King. I remember they said they were walking back and said, you know, we have to have something that's like different. It's kind of like, you know, maybe if like you, you hit a few shots in a row, it was just like came up in conversation, like you catch on fire. Remember we got that fire graphic that we used in, uh, in smash TV years and we could use that, like, you know, talking tech talk along with let's, let's do something to make the game more exciting. And when they were practicing, uh, putting the motion capture into the dunks, just it was like just simply joking around where a guy could manually manipulate them jumping really high. Everybody just laughed. You know, it's like, ah, that's funny. Let's do it again. I'll make them jump higher just for their own kicks. And they realized if we're having this much fun, we got to do it. So once again, you didn't sit down at a drafting table and go, we're going to make this game NBA Jam. And it's going to be an NBA, Jam, NBA you know, licensed game and you're going to have guys on fire jumping 20 feet. It was all just like, you know, when you go in to make a great song and you're the Beatles, like they went into mm. make Revolver, and none of the songs were really written. They kind of make them up in the studio or the next day they come in, the other guys don't know the parts. And that fun of collaborating, I don't think could happen today because, you know, the huge companies, and you see a lot of them are in trouble, Capcom, different companies are struggling. You have $30 million budgets. It's like Hollywood. And, it, and it, you have to have a fully realized product that they already want to test market and focus groups and blah, blah, blah. It's like Hollywood. You can't slip anything through, you know, and you mm -hmm. have to have titles that, you know, and in pinball, even, you know, they're recycling titles the way Hollywood always does remakes of, you know, uh, you know, the classic titles and the cartoons and the Marvel comics. So you, it's rare that you could have a company that is as big as Midway go, we're going to make this basketball game or we're going to make Mortal Kombat. They didn't want to make Mortal Kombat. They didn't get it, you know when it was pitched originally you know but the, there was that rock band kind of garage band you know startup where there weren't a lot of rules people hadn't gone to school for this your bosses didn't know mm -hmm. anything about the business they just knew about dollars and marketing so i don't think that time will ever come again you couldn't have an accidental hit like nba jam or mortal Kombat or blitz for that for that matter. yeah that's yeah. amazing they had so many hits then that's i mean they did really well for themselves that shaped they the whole the market. It was, it was, it was, they missed the home market. They weren't prepared for, you know, the, they didn't have the, the home market software. They were selling boxes for $400 or whatever they sold jam and all their arcades for. They weren't getting the, the coin return. And that's the reason the price went up in the arcade at a certain point started out at what was it? 25 cents a quarter in the very beginning or 50. I forget, but at the end they wanted a dollar per, per quarter of basketball because they realize the arcades are making, you know, two grand, three grand a week. It's, it's making a billion dollars in quarters during the year, but they can't really increase their revenue because they, you know, can't sell so many cabinets around the world. To, mm -hmm. So they had to raise the price. So Midway was not making money while the, all the, you know, the, the coin op people were making all the quarters. And so they couldn't translate it. They weren't, you know, prepared to do, as I said, to get it to the home market. So the best they could do was sell the license to a claim so that they could do it. So they just got an outright buyout. And that's why after oh. that, we, we didn't do an NBA jam. We, you know, did Showtime and hang time and this and that because they now own the, the license. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man. How's that for a little jam 101? So, Tim, do you have anything else you uh, want to plug before you have to take off? Uh, well, I would say, you know, I, 
great to have people, you know, come to my Twitter page because I try to keep updated with anything going on. And uh, I'll probably be doing something again with the Warriors that I mentioned, the Hornets. But something really fun uh, that I just uh, began. Third party, really nice guy, reached out to me on Twitter. He's a CEO of an uh, ad agency and big NBA Jam fan. And he said, why don't we do, you know, people always, you know, want you want something from you. What do they want? The voice. Why don't we do custom voicemails? So it began just kind of like quietly a few months ago as we tried to figure out what we were doing, but it's called who said what now.com who said what now.com. So it's on my Twitter page, but we're just about to launch something where you can get, you can send like all your mocam, your home videos from your phone, your old VHS tapes, send me something edited down. I'm not going to do like five, 10, 15, 20 minutes. But I can, I'll throw a voiceover for anything you want to throw me. And I thought it's like going to be more interesting for people who really want to challenge me instead of like their own sports highlights make sense or their kids playing basketball in the backyard, which would be fun. But like try to be creative. Send me something like your bachelor party or something. It's going to be if you want to do a bachelor party evite with a video, you can have our video template or you can send me some crazy shots of you and your friends. I'll throw some music over it. I'll do the, uh, uh, and I'll do the narration. So it's just a really cool thing. Like I was saying, I have so much fun with the NBA stuff when they send me highlights. It's really cool when fans just send me random clips and go, I want this for just to, you know, for entertainment. Or I want this for a bachelor party, the wedding, my buddy's birthday party, uh, or this is my MoCam stuff from Utah or whatever. Here's my fail video. I'll do podcast drops, uh, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. And, uh, I make sure I'll take you guys. Well, you that's, started. That's, that's, oh, yeah. yeah, we. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say that was that's we went through who said what now to get in contact with you, and it was. I mean, it was definitely worth it. I would recommend anybody going through that. If you if you want a voicemail, there's like five or six templates. You know, like uh, mm. uh, you've reached Tim Kittrell. He can't come to the phone right now because he's on fire. Have some fun 
done with it, you know, oh, so like, I can, I'll, I'll do like my Twitter mailbag of who said what now. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, guys, really, really enjoyed talking with you all tonight. Uh, so stay in touch, uh, you know, reach out anytime and, uh, you know, I could go on for hours. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Right, Thank you. <laughs> and that was awesome man he had some really cool stories though really cool i talk i mean what an interesting life that is such an interesting life he's probably had really cool yeah i know that's amazing yeah that was excellent yeah uh i think we can call that an episode drew do you want to do the sign off Thank you for joining us on the Lowering the Rim podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that you download your podcast. Make sure to give us a five stars if you liked what you hear, and we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. Tim Kitzer here from NBA Jam, and welcome to Lowering the Rim. Get out your broomsticks. It's time for Lowering the Rim with Ian, Nick, Drew, Keegan, and Caleb. Whoa, boom shakalaka! <laughs> <laughs>